Hello, welcome back to another blog read from rumorsology.physio. My name is Jack, and um, I run the website rumorsology.physio. So if this is the first time you are hearing one of my blog reads, then uh, please do go back through the others and see what you can learn about rheumatology and its implementation into MSK practice. A little bit of news updates. Um, my courses are doing pretty well. There's two dates in January for the um, short rapid course, uh, which is just over three hours long. Um, and we are really going to take a rapid approach through um, recognizing rheumatology. So it's sort of appropriate for slightly more experienced clinicians, band six in MSK practice and above, um, especially tailored towards first contact practitioners, um, triage therapists, um, those kind of people. So head to my shop, rheumatology.physio forward flaps forward, sorry, rheumatology.physio forward slash shop, and you can find tickets for those there. There's only a few left in each date. I'll have to put some more up in February, uh, but if you want to attend anytime soon, then you're going to need to be quite rapid. So on to today's blog read. This is entitled Spondyloarthritis Nomenclature Updates, and other than being difficult to say, spondyloarthritis has some complexity to it as a name for a branch of diagnoses. So here we go. As we move forwards in medicine with the understanding of spondyloarthritis, some things are becoming more complex and others more simple. I say that, I say we, I have nothing to do with it. It's the amazing researchers and rheumatologists that deserve all credit. I do have a few axial spondyloarthritis resources available in my shop, as I mentioned, and an overview document that you can find in the blog section. As usual, feedback is greatly appreciated and any further reading for me, please do send it my way. Please remember, this blog is not a replacement for clinical reasoning. If you are unsure, get advice. Introduction. Spondyloarthritis is an umbrella term covering a number of clinical diagnoses that can be broadly described as emphasitic in nature. This is an oversimplification, but I do find it helpful to understand where the site of inflammatory effect is and why certain extra-articular features manifest. Once determined as a spondyloarthritis, we can break these down into different terms based on clinical and radiological features. This is useful for rheumatologists and researchers because these different presentations respond differently to both time and medications. They are also more or less prevalent with demographic variables. While as therapists we are unlikely to need to make these distinctions ourselves, it is important to know about them and to aid with our clinical reasoning in recognition roles, education and when receiving referrals. Axial versus peripheral spondyloarthritis. This refers to the predominance of clinical symptoms. Axial spondyloarthritis, or AXPAR, will have predominantly spinal and sacroiliac joint symptoms, but may also have peripheral manifestations. And peripheral spondyloarthritis, PSPAR, will have predominantly peripheral symptoms, but may also have axial manifestations. Of note, this may change throughout the course of the disease but it's probably unnecessary to keep changing the diagnoses. Radial axbar, sorry, rad <laughs> difficult enough to say. Radiographical axbar versus non-radiographical axbar. This one is a simpler difference and is based on radiological findings and a clinical diagnosis of axial spondyloarthritis. Radiographical axial spondyloarthritis, or R axbar, shows changes on X-ray sufficient to meet specific criteria. Non-radiographical axial spondyloarthritis, or NRX axbar, doesn't show these changes. 
It does not depend, depend on inflammatory changes on MRI. A proportion of non-radiographical AXPAR diagnoses will develop into radiographical axial spondyloarthritis. These will be mostly younger HLA-B27 male patients. It is extremely important to note that the disease burden of both classifications are equal. Radiographical axial spondyloarthritis versus ankylosing spondyloarthritis. And I have a quote here from a paper uh, by Bowl et al. Uh, patients with axial spondyloarthritis with radiographical spondyloarthritis fulfill the, both the modified New York criteria and the ACES axial spondyloarthritis criteria. So, quote, almost all patients with axial spondyloarthritis with radiographical sacroiliitis fulfill both ACES and modified New York criteria, which supports the interchangeable use of the terms AS, or ankylosing spondylitis, and radiographical axial spondyloarthritis. So please feel free to use either. Enteropathic spondyloarthritis. Occurring in those with inflammatory bowel disease, this can be any of the combinations mentioned above subsequent to a diagnosis of conditions such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. End. I hope that you found this blog, blog useful, separating out the various terms that you may hear. I don't think as referring clinicians we need to be this specific, and clearly we can't be in some cases where x-rays etc haven't been performed. But please do get me any feedback you might have so that I can grow and improve, and I'll see you next time. That reference, um, in case you're interested in it, about the um, interchangeable terms of axial spondyloarthritis and um, ankylosing spondylitis, is Bowl et al, B-O-E-L. Do patients with axial spondyloarthritis with radiographical sacroiliitis fulfill both the modified New York criteria and the ASAS axial spondyloarthritis criteria? Question mark. Results from eight cohorts. That's in the Annals of Rheumatic Diseases 2019. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope to see you out on the next blog read. Um, please do subscribe to the channel. This is also on YouTube and obviously on my website. Just search rheumatology.physio into pretty much anywhere, and I do start coming up now these days. I'm also on social media, um, so please do follow me on Twitter and Instagram. See you next time.